Outlaws Outpost. Welcome, 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 heroes, to the Outlaws Outpost, your unofficial guide to the best Overwatch League team, brought to you by the Surly Nerd Podcast and the official Houston Outlaws supporter group, the Lone Star Vanguard. I'm your host, James, and with me today from the Lone Star Vanguard is Joe, a.k.a. Nubatron. Howdy. And Jake, a.k.a. Tuna. Yo! And today we're joined by a very special guest, Jesse, a.k.a. Jag, the social media manager for the Outlaws. Hey, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm really excited to talk to you guys tonight. It's going to be a really fun time. I'm really hoping so. We've prepared some questions for you. Hopefully they're not too difficult. Hopefully they're enjoyable to answer for us. So, Jesse, uh, you have a degree in journalism. And from what I understand, you've worked in copywriting and you've even been a door-to-door salesman. Um, How did the work experience of your past kind of prepare you for the challenge of kind of being the outlaw's social media manager? Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's pretend the door-to-door salesman stuff didn't happen. Uh, it was an interesting time. I was actually about to just go to college, I think, as a freshman. So I was mm-hmm. just trying to, you know, get some money for the summer. But I think that actually, uh, as much as, you know, I can joke about it, really helped me kind of develop my voice and style and stuff. Because when you're doing something like that, um, you're selling yourself more than you're selling a product. So you, I was so, selling... so you say that, but you say like, oh, let's yeah. like negate the door-to-door salesman thing here. But that is exactly what a door-to-door salesman does. They, they yeah. do sell themselves so that you can't discount that experience. I guess like, I, I don't know, like, you know, it just isn't my, it's not my fondest memory because I've always been kind of a, I wouldn't say I'm shy, but like, it's kind of, I don't like cold calling, mm-hmm. but so I'm glad I did it. But I'm also like, I kind of want to pretend it didn't happen. You know, <laughs> it's kind of this mixed signal weird thing because it, it led to me realizing like I can do marketing on like one level, which is kind of myself and then the product. And then you apply it to some of the other stuff I did later, like copywriting. That's all about marketing a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it for T. Rowe Price. I did it for Boss Consulting Group. And uh, I did it a little bit in esports uh, for other social media stuff. Uh, I-, I was working for the Charlotte Phoenix for a little bit. I was just with the Revival before I joined wow. the Outlaws. So I think all that kind of step-by-step led me to where I am now, where you're just creating uh, a persona, I would say almost. And then you're just using all these different channels and all these different mediums to put together content that echo that uh, persona. Yeah, that's, I mean, building your brand, right? That is such an understatement of what needs to be done, especially to be successful in, you know, in, in your space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think here, the, the real question to be asked is, was <laughs> it knives, vacuum cleaners, or what was it that you were selling when you were doing a door-to-door sell? If you don't mind me asking. It was full cutlery kits. So like, you know, very like fancy, like, you know, uh, like, you know, forks, knives, Mm -hmm. spoons, the whole, the whole nine yards. Um, those things like they went for like a thousand dollars. So like, I'd only, you know, I'd only get like one or two sales a week and like, I'd already be making like, I'd making a lot of money off it. Like the commission rose every time I sold. And then I got to actually keep my demo kit for pretty cheap. So, you oh, know, wow. Nice. Not, yeah, I gave it to my parents. <laughs> they had a lot more use for it than I did at the time. So, you want to know why you should always be nice to door to door salesmen? Let me know. They know where you live. <laughs> I, think I, did it, I did it for two years. I think the thing that blew my mind the most about this when I was kind of reading a little bit about your background is my first thought was door to door salesmen still fucking exist? Like, yeah, but it's tough, man. So props to you. I mean, I, I know I, yeah, I've never done it, but I know that that must be a, a, you know, difficult position to be in, you know? Yeah, it's it's absolutely. But you, you learn about a lot about yourself in that kind of position and, you know, it is selling yourself and 
there's a certain amount of confidence you have to have going into something like that. Um, and I think that's definitely something that, uh, that kind of confidence is something that you need as the social media manager of the outlaws, but we will come back to that. Um, so in my experiences with the experiences that you've had in life, what is it about esports specifically that like said, this is where I want my career to be. Like you've done all of these vast array of things and now you're kind of, you, at some point you honed it in and said like esports is like the place I want to be in life. So I, I knew I wanted to work in sports basically since high school. Okay. I wasn't really into esports actually until my third year of college. I was studying, and I, I feel like I've told this story so many times, but <laughs> I was studying in London at the time. I was studying abroad during the first season of the Overwatch League and um, the Boston Uprising, you know, they were owned by the Patriots. I've been a Patriots fan my whole life because my family's from New England and I lived there for most of my life as well. So I was like, you know what, I, I want to see what they're about. Because I was playing Overwatch very casually at the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I just remember I watched opening week season one and I got hooked immediately. I was like, <laughs> this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Blizzard Arena, the fans, the players, like the personalities, the branding. Like I was just like, I need to get here some way, <laughs> somehow, someday. And as time went on, I kind of expanded myself. Like I got into League, I got into Valorant, which is pretty new. Um, I looked into Rocket League, Fortnite. So I was kind of exploring different esports scenes. Um, I played a little bit also competitively in Overwatch for Collegiate. Um, and I was actually for Revival. I did do a little bit of Overwatch stuff for them, but I was mostly doing League for the Charlotte Phoenix. I was doing Valorant mostly. So um, this is really my first like deep dive, not only into like tier one esports as a professional, but also as just a social media manager mm -hmm. for an Overwatch team. Um, but it's always been my first love. So being able to do this, it's just, it's just a dream come true as cliche as that might sound. Well, that's completely understandable. And I mean, Overwatch League is that thing that brings us together. I mean, everybody that's sitting here on this panel right now, we all got together and it's because of the Overwatch League that we do the show. It's the reason the Lone Star Vanguard exists. I mean, at one point we were just a bunch of scrubs who went to a bar together to watch Overwatch League. And now here we are three years later. So, you know, Overwatch League, building friendships one at a time. Yeah, and bridging gaps, you know, obviously. Uh, I know I remember when I first started uh, hosting the watch parties in Austin, it was mostly of, there's got to be 10 other nerds, right? Like, I didn't have a ton of friends here in Austin when I first got here. So uh, I was, you know, maybe you can find, or we can find maybe like two or three cool folks that were like, hey, you know what? Like, we kind of like the same stuff. Like, let's let's be friends. Let's hang out. Um, and very quickly on, they, they realized it's like, you know, gamers typically are a little bit shy, a little bit more shy, right? Like, so I was like, okay, like if I'm going to have to be the person that's going to like welcome everyone at the door and then just kind of like help people just, you know, like embrace what they like and kind of be a bit more vocal about it or just be a little bit more outgoing. Hey, then that's my role. And, you know, here we are three years later, you know, and having a podcast, you know, um, <laughs> talking about just, you know, like Overwatch League and Overwatch League related stuff. So, so we get it, man. Jag, are you a, like a Red Sox fan? Yeah, so I want to take a step back. Um, my family's from Boston. I was born in Boston, but I actually grew up in Seattle. So, like, I, I always say Seattle's my hometown because I was there from, like, 4 to 11. Uh, but I have spent most of my life in the Boston area. So I kind of have this weird relationship where I'm a Seattle fan as well. So, like, you know, Mariners, Seahawks, the new Sounders. NHL team. When it gets there, yeah, the Sounders. Um, though the so, Revolution are doing a lot better now. But, um, yeah, yes, so, I am a Red Sox fan. So in the Seahawks... We're playing the Patriots. Patriots. I was rooting for the well, Patriots because okay. um, 
Brady, you know, I didn't think Brady had that much more in him, and clearly he has proven me very wrong because he's still going and just won a Super Bowl of Tampa Bay. So I was like, you know, Russell Wilson, he's got a whole career ahead of him. Like, he'll win again in the future. So I was really excited. I mean, if the Seahawks won, I wouldn't have been sad, you know? Like, it would have been a win-win. But in that matchup, I was rooting for the Patriots a bit more. I totally get where you're coming from, though, because I was kind of born and raised in Houston, but during the summers, uh, my parents would kind of pick me up and send me off to my grandparents' place in Michigan. So I have this kind of like duality to my life where, you know, like part of me is like, you know, Texas and part of me is Michigan. And honestly, Michigan has the better sports teams. (laughs) Not to be not to be that guy. I'm a Red Wings fan and Mm. they've always done right by me, I felt like. So, yeah, that's the Lions from Michigan. Yes, uh, and they used, oh. they used to be good. They used to be good when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. We had Barry, Barry, San- Sanders. Barry, yeah, Barry Sanders, and it was awesome. So, uh, so let's deviate from esports and Overwatch real quick. I want to know some more about you. So, you once said that Incubus's album Morning View makes you feel like you're floating on air. What is it about them that makes them so iconic in your mind? So it's interesting because I actually have never listened to Incubus's first two albums. Mm-hmm. Like I know one of them, I think the second one's called Science and it's like very different and very kind of like, I would say, I guess more aggressive than their later stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I really listened to their third album, which is, you know, Drive and Pardon Me and some other songs, but there's something about Morning View that I connect with. I, so I'm a musician myself and I also have this con- condition called synthostage. I think that's how it's pronounced. I actually don't know, but basically I see music through color. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I hear a certain key of a song, I kind of associate that with a color. And then I also can associate it with a place. So uh, Morning View specifically, there's one song on it called Mexico that I really just, it reminds me yeah. of being in Spain right outside of Girona at my ex's house. They had this beautiful vacation house that their family owned there. Just like sitting there, it's on this huge like hill. It's an infinity pool like that goes off the side of the hill. It just it's it just reminds me of that moment in time and it's so beautiful and it kind of makes me feel like, you know, I'm there in the hot sun and everything is all right in the world. Nice. I love that. I think there's a Lucio song called that Synesthesia. It's, it's called Synesthesia, yeah. There's like a Lucio album or song that's like named that. So as a longtime Boston Uprising fan, how have you been adjusting to the Houston fandom? Because we are pretty well known for being really intense as fans. You know, it's I love it, honestly. I love that people are passionate because coming from Boston, I remember season one, like I was in London for most of it, but I was back in Boston just in time for playoffs. Mm -hmm. So I got to go to a watch party. Uh, It was the playoff game between Boston and Philly. And it was like, you know, they lost the first one and then they had the second and third one. I was there for the second one only. And it was just jam-packed. It was, you know, wall-to-wall people were there. Everyone's in uprising gear. It was an amazing experience. And I haven't really felt that since then. I, You know, I feel like the uprising, unfortunately, have taken a bit of a downturn. I think they'll do a lot better this season. Their roster looks really good. But I remember, like, season two, there was a lot of hope. And then, you know, halfway through, you lose Note, you lose Gamsu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calix is still there, but then he leaves next season. You get rid of Neko before the season even starts. And the although AIM God's really good, it's, it's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I think note leaving uh, halfway through the season when he got traded to Dallas is kind of like where things really started to, you know, not look as good um, And the fandom, you know, it's still there and it exists and there's a lot of proud people in it, but it wasn't the same. Like I, I didn't feel the same level of excitement like season three, like obviously, you know, COVID that changes a lot of things, but in general, like it was just very much a whimper I felt like. And um, I was actually at the <laughs> the toilet bowl, I guess is what we were calling it, is what Brennan Sideshow used to call it. Mm. Uh, I was at the seven map game. I was in DC oh, as man. an uprising fan <laughs> for that game against Houston. And that was like, 
there was like i don't know 12 of us like there was more than that but you know there, there's like 12 very vocal fans in the audience and we were like losing our minds over it. but i remember seeing a lot of houston fans there which really shocked me because boston is way closer to dc than texas is mm-hmm. you know yeah. they were there and they were disappointed but they were there and they were loud for the maps they won and uh, i i guess the tldr is it's very exciting and also very terrifying when you know you are in charge of the brand identity because you want the team to do well and you want to be able to put out good news, but sometimes it just isn't what's going to happen. And I hope personally, at least that I won't take the brunt for it because I just got to, you know, tell it how it is sometimes. Yeah. Um, we, we just get really loud sometimes and you just have to kind of realize that we get loud because we love our team. And I mean, we travel well, honestly. I mean, it's just, I think, I think people just all over the, you know, all over the overall should just, you know, I mean, love the brand, love the colors, you know? Um, so not, not surprised, but. I'm picturing twelve. I'm picturing twelve Boston fans at the Justice event, just going crazy, and everyone's looking over at y'all like, "Dude, can you wrap this up, please?" <laughs> My, I was so I was playing on like a just a for fun team at the time called the Hanamura Hellhounds, and we like we went together. Um, from like we were all from all over the eastern seaboard so it was really cool that we could all like meet up and like get a house together you know hang out that weekend and none of them were uprising fans except me and they were like falling asleep next to me actively and oh. i'm like losing my mind <laughs> and then my friends back in boston were like dude i'm pretty sure i just heard you screaming on twitch and i was like yes i made it this is my <laughs> moment that was a memorable game i, I know it was exhausting uh both physically and emotionally uh but i mean instant classic right i mean I would, I would sure. watch that. Iconic. Personally, yeah. He I'm said cool. toilet bowl, and I knew exactly what he was talking about, dude. <laughs> I go, oh, yeah, the Boston Outlaws game. Well, I mean, at the same time, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I mean, we, we've, as Outlaws fans, too, you know, we also felt gutted when a lot of uh, the team started kind of getting traded away, and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we, um, we take things really personally. <laughs> right. But yeah, and I mean, I, Boston's had, Boston's had such a great history. I mean, I remember seeing Boston that first season of Overwatch League and being like, oh, wow, like, these guys are going to do some damage. Yeah, it's interesting, because I remember the first season, like, no one had any hype around them. Like, everyone thought they'd be last place, and then they just had really great scouting, and obviously there are some unfortunate things that happened, so we don't have to go over it. I think we all know what we're talking about. (laughs) Um, And then even when mistakes came in, though, mistakes, like, he went from being basically a tracer one-trick to being, like, this amazing projectile dps player his genji was really good his Faro was really good so it was just like oh there were so much good things coming into season two and they're like all right we're not resigning mistakes we're trading gom two away i was actually really excited about axiom and i think this is like i mean fusions is a great reinhardt don't get me wrong i think fusions is also an amazing guy but i i just really really wanted to see axiom play and that's why i think seeing him you know in dc during that one game was so exciting because I he didn't really get to play after that. I think you know now he's out of the league. I know he had some health issues, and I hope everything was okay with that now. But um, I was a huge Axiom fan because I was I was super into Overwatch in general. Like I was watching Contenders, so Toronto Esports. I watched them, and they were the academy team, and I was super excited for like Axiom, Nero, um, Shu, like all those guys, um, Cruz. So like I, I really wanted to like you know kind of see where their careers went, and it was just a shame that um, Axiom didn't really get a chance to shine, and then you know things didn't go super well uh season two and three Hmm. so you've played and casted for like a wide range of games from league of legends to even rocket league but in your experience having gotten the opportunity to cast for all of those who do you think actually has the least toxic fandom so we're just talking like this is just only from casting not from like playing uh i mean it could be from both I, i wouldn't mind your opinion about both 
Okay, least. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was trying to keep it positive around. Here. Yeah, yeah. Good I'm going to say Rocket League, honestly. Um, that seems like a game the, where everybody would be like super just be happy to play with each other. I, I think when it's, you know, when there's a lot of things on the line, people can get a bit more heated in game, but usually it's nothing too, you know, astute, nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen in other sports, you know, teams basically just yelling at each other in all chat. And uh, luckily, like, you know, uh, the stream can't see it, but we might be able to see it if we're in game or something like that. And you're like, please, like, calm down. You know, like, <laughs> you don't want this to accidentally like get on like live stream if you're like just dropping f bombs left and right. Right. But no, um, Rocket League is just. I, I feel like I don't know. It's not like a casual game by any means. You know, it's still a very competitive game. But I think the way it works, where it's kind of you know, it, I, everyone always compares it to soccer. I actually like to compare it to hockey. It's much more fast paced. Um, and in hockey, you know, things get really aggressive really quickly. That's why they fight, I guess. And we're just like, yeah, that's, that's normal. I love hockey, by the way. So I'm not taking a jab at it, but it just, it just always has been like, why do we let them do this? Right. And in football, they're like, break it up, you know, immediately. Um, but, you know, in Rocket like usually like it's like once the map is over, if there's any toxicity, that's when it's going to happen. Uh, because it's usually like, a you know, a first of three or a first of two. So there's, you know, there's very little downtime. Like that's when it'll happen very briefly. But other than that, like, you know, it's just pedal to the metal. There's no time to really, you know, trash talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think everyone here is familiar with, the, you know, all of the League of Legends, uh, like memes out there, of, like your teammates being super toxic to you during the game you know it's like that's how we're playing against the computer like i don't know how to play i'm learning how to play why are you yelling at why are you flaming me why are you yelling at me um but i yeah and i definitely agree with you that rocket league is definitely a lot more like hockey even though it's always it's i mean you have so many things flying around people are in the there's a car in the air doing 360 flips and yeah i i don't understand rocket league and and i I played it for a little bit on ps4 and I, i had fun with it uh but i mean some of the some of the stuff that people do on Rocket League is insane. It's very impressive. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it definitely reminds me of hockey more than soccer for sure. There's nothing that like gets me more excited than as a caster is like a really nice aerial play where like maybe they're just like, you know, they're like basically on the roof and they're just like dribbling it over and over. And then yeah. like all of a sudden they just like hit it right into the corner and like three people try to stop it, but no one hits it. Like plays like that. I've never actually, it's a fun fact. I've never played Rocket League, but I was casting it. Um, and I was just like, man, like I could never do that in a million years, even yeah, if I no, tried. Yeah. The way that they, they juggle the ball in the air and then like, do a sideways flip and yeah no it's it's not it's insane so i remember when rocket league came out and it was this it was playstation free and so it, it immediately blew up and i remember playing it for the first time and everyone was just like on the ground hitting the ball and then and then like a week later like <laughs> everyone sees like superman fly through the sky and we go whoa we're like, you can do that? <laughs> it was crazy. And then all of a sudden, I had to, like, stop playing because the skill gap was insane. Yeah. But, like, yeah. watching it go, like, same with Fortnite. Like, watching it go from, like, day one to a, a huge skill gap. Was, Everyone started was cranking really, 90s. Uh, it was, it was, like, it, it's kind of priceless to have been there. So I feel that way. Uh, you know, in, in my downtime, I play a lot of fighting games. And I always tell myself, like, yeah, I think I'm good enough to, like, go to Evo and compete. And then I like watch Evo every year. And then I go, mm, maybe, maybe it's better. I stayed home this year. <laughs> uh, That's just, there's always going to be like, you know, another mountain to climb. Like I actually, I remember when I, when Fortnite first came out, I was pretty good at it on console before I started playing on PC a few years later. And then I like went away and I came back like three months later and I was like, I don't know how to build anymore. Like this yeah. is crazy. <laughs> you can't stop with Fortnite. Yeah, yeah that, that's a constant progression at all times. You can't so, stop. Yeah. So as somebody who's played all the Mass Effect games back-to-back, on a scale of 1 to 10, 
How hyped are you for the Mass Effect uh, re-release? And how do you feel about the changes that are being made to the games to make the trilogy feel more connected in terms of gameplay and cohesion? So I would say I'm a solid 10 for the first game being remastered, and I'm like maybe a 7.5 for the other two, because I feel like Mass Effect 2 and 3 still play really well to this day, even though they're pretty old at this point. You know, I think Mass Effect 2 came out in like, what, 2000, I want to say 11, something like that. Maybe it's even older than that, but it feels really good. But Mass Effect 1 is always, I like, I'm one of those people who like, I'll replay the whole campaign through all three games. And Mass Effect 1 feels just, it felt like, it felt like, ugh, I don't even scare, it felt like stepping on glass, basically. It was just so painful, the gameplay and the graphics and everything is slow as dirt. The elevators take forever. <laughs> That's why I never played another Mass Effect game. I started the first one, wow. got to the elevators, and I was like, nope, turning that off. <laughs> they got rid of it in the other two, but it's definitely like a, a mute point still to this day. So, I mean, the, the gameplay is going to be the, basically the same. I know they said that um, they got like rid of class restrictions from the first one, but they're still doing this thing where in the first game, it's kind of like Halo, where it's like your gun can overheat if you fire it too much, but mm -hmm. every other game, it's ammo that you just pick up off the ground, but they left that in the first one for some reason. But I, I think that in general, I'm just going to get it for the first game, just because... The first game still has an amazing storyline. I would say, actually, it's probably better than two in terms of story. Wow. I think three is the best until the end. <laughs> um, but that's a big one. Point. They, that ending was a very big point of controversy for a lot of people. So, uh, yeah. What are they doing in Mass Effect? They're remastering it. Just three or all of it? All of them. All, all three? Yeah. Andromeda I've, 2? I've never played any single one of them. I've heard that this is probably the version you want to pick up if you've never played a Mass Effect game before. So, I, I will finally kneel to my my friends that have all said you really should give the game a shot maybe with a remaster i'll pick it up and and give it the, the honest go i'll say this and i know that you're a big bioshock fan as well bioshock is probably my favorite game series of all time mass effect is number two okay so that's, I, I think that's it's right that's up big there. points that's big points yeah. for me did, and, did yeah. they still do a first person mode at all maybe? it's third person only third yeah yeah I'm not a third person you, fan. You got to step up your game. <laughs> well, GTA said, hey, our new re-release is going to have a first person mode. And that was like a really big deal to me. So let's bring it back to Overwatch real quick. Um, I actually, as somebody who's kind of worked around Overwatch for as long as you have and has been a fan of the Overwatch League, I'm really curious how important you think the existence of Overwatch contenders is to the long-term health of the Overwatch League. I think it is incredibly important, and I really wish that more... I wish Overwatch League teams were required to have academy teams. I think... I know it's extensive, and I think a, a big problem is that the buy-in is so much that that is money that could have been going towards an academy team, for example. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, I mean, you look at other esports like League, and just... In, I actually wrote about this in the Discord, I think, today, but um, in the lcs finals team liquid their their jungler was sick he couldn't play and then you know their academy team is right there on the ground so they put him in they won semi-finals in the lower bracket they almost won the finals with their backup mm -hmm. and i think you look right now and i i don't mean to you know uh you know go after dallas fuel who are our rivals but you know i still have a lot of respect for them Absolutely. and the people over there you know it's it sucks that they're losing xe he's an amazing player i loved watching him last year on paris but, you know, now they're kind of scrambling, right? Like, now they've got to find someone right now. And if they still had Team Envy as a contender's team, like, maybe they have someone on the ground, or at least in the States, who can, you know, be shifted over pretty quickly. But now you got to run trials. Now you got to try to find someone. Like, I don't know if they'll have anyone in time for Friday or if they'll try to shoot for their next game this week. Or maybe they'll just run, you know, Doha and XC and then hope that they can find someone in the future. It's, it's really tough. 
so there's like kind of that immediate factor of you can you know find someone to bring up to the overwatch league level but if we're not developing the talent of tomorrow who's going to be in the league i mean you, you look at the season one rosters how many people are left not a ton of people anymore but where are they coming from mostly from apac you know na eu you're not finding all these new rookies coming in which is really unfortunate because there's still a lot of great talent in this region and i'm thinking man like these people in american tornado they're so good but when they get their shot if ever yeah that's true absolutely i, I can't agree with you more um uh, i mean I'm, I'm a huge mls guy right and uh you know i watch soccer all across the world and it's a matter of you know it's so important having a developmental academy is crucial to the longevity of uh, I mean, not only your, your brand, right. You, you get your homegrown players that like live and die that, uh, to play for you. Um, and also, I mean, you, you, you hear about kind of like with XZ, what he said, you know, whenever he, you know, with his announcement today, how, you know, I mean, the guy didn't have a break. I mean, he, even though he was playing hurt, he was playing injured, um, you know, and be, be able to kind of give some of your stuff. I mean, some of your starters a, a break too, right. Throughout the season. I and mean, we saw it. I mean, well, you see it a lot, in, especially in esports, right? Where one individual, one player grinds out the game for endless amount of you know hours, you know, without a break. I mean, and that could just be so much so taxing for your mental health or and obviously your physical health as well. Um, so having you know someone that can step up for you at a at, you know at the that's familiar might be familiar with their system, you know, at at a, at a moment's notice is. I mean, rather invaluable. So, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. And it, it, really, it really kind of hurt my heart to hear all this kind of news coming out of Dallas because, yes, I'm a Houston fan who wants Houston to win, but I also want us to win against Dallas at peak performance. And I feel like that it's going to be a rough go because maybe Dallas isn't at peak performance right now because of all of this. Well, they still got they still got uh, some pretty good. They, they got they some got great. Some, they still got sparkle. They, they still got oh. some great talent. Don't get me wrong, um, but you know, it's it's. Maybe there was a situation where they needed a swap. They don't have somebody for that now. Yeah, and it's just gonna—it's gonna, gonna be—it's like no matter how it goes, like even if they do find someone in time, it's gonna be very hard to you know put them to a roster that's been practicing together for so long. And I just want to say one more thing before we jump topics here. That's mm -hmm. not really fuel related, but it really hurt my heart to see both Pacific and um, South American contenders like you know just get kind of thrown into the void um because there are some really good players that have come from both of those regions and now you know if if you're a player like if you're in the pacific like it's actually not i guess too bad because you could move to australia or korea or china potentially one of those contenders regions but if you're in south america like where do you go as an overwatch player like if right. you've been grinding this game for years your career is probably just going to be done just because there's no more places to play maybe you find a north american team but ping can be a huge issue especially you know depending on what country you're playing in so it, it, it's just yeah there's just a lot of things that are having contenders that i'm you know not happy with as a fan but uh i will say that uh i think monkey bubble from a production perspective is doing an amazing job with na and eu i was very impressed with how they did stuff uh for the marches tournaments and i think it brought in a lot more viewership and exposure to those players so uh, we know that you were a Boston fan. Obviously, you're here with Houston now. Uh, do you actually have a favorite non-American Overwatch League team? I used to. It used to be the Guangzhou Charge. Um, and I say that because they got Nero and Shu, who, again, were coming from Toronto Esports. So I was you know, trying to root for previous you know, Boston Academy boys. And I, I loved kind of watching them. And they had some really cool players. I'm also a huge fan of Krong. I think Krong's an amazing off-tank. Now that both of them are gone... I don't really have any teams in particular. I guess I would say I'm a Shanghai fan just because like 
it's amazing like the story of shanghai yeah. is incredible and um i know that's kind of like jumping on the bandwagon but i i, I was really happy that gamsu got to you know when he was still in the league like gamsu got to kind of be a part of that like in season two like i feel like him joining them really gave them a huge buff and that's why they're able to win one of the state tournaments back then and then you know the the roster's changed a bit since then Fleta is just an amazing per like player and now they've got fate who i think you know fate i think is a very underrated main tank like fearless obviously is amazing but i think fate will just you know bring this team to maybe even newer heights and i, I think that this is gonna be a hot take i think them or gladiators currently have the best shot at winning the league really okay okay oh, that is a hot take i would put shocker right below them fighting words I would say that, you know, I don't think that you're jumping on any bandwagon because, I mean, heck, even from season, even when Shanghai wasn't doing well, everyone was reading for Shanghai. I remember going to Blizzard Arena season one um, and everyone, you know, even though they were they had their losing record, everyone was buying like Shanghai jerseys, swapping out between like matches or whatever just to root them on. Dude, uh, they were lovable losers season one. Yeah. And now they have MVP oh, in the league. Fun. MVP oh, of yeah. season three was on their team. Oh. So I know that you have a music side hustle and you released one of your tracks publicly to SoundCloud. So I'm actually kind of curious. What do you, what would you say is the most culturally important album of the last decade? How long is a decade again? <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. Uh, none of them, honestly. Really? I, I, uh, this is a tricky one because most of my music, I feel like, that I listened to is probably from like the early late 2000s to like early to late 90s. Mm -hmm. um, I really like grunge. Like I'm a huge Nirvana fan. Uh, I really like early Foo Fighters, um, Queens of the Stone Age, Incubus, Ooh. as we talked about earlier. Um, Audio Slave has actually been I've been listening to a lot lately. Um, okay. But I, if I had to choose from the last 10 like years, a, like a stone, good song. Like a stone is an amazing song. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose an album in a band that you've probably never heard of. It's called Peripheral Vision by a band called Turnover. They're from Pennsylvania. They're not popular at all, at least like in the mainstream. Like they're pretty popular in like the indie rock community. Um, but it got me into this genre called shoegaze, which was really popular in the 80s in the UK. It's kind of like Dream Pop's another name for it. It's this very ethereal kind of spacey rock sound where it can be very light or it can be very like more heavy, but the whole idea is it's very like, it's like an experience more than a song is the way I would describe it. And I've kind of gone into a lot of bands that have a similar vibe since then. Um, and it's just, it's just an amazing listen. There's a song called New Scream. And um, it is like the, the minute you hear the first guitar hit, like that first note, you're just like, this is going to be a banger and absolutely <laughs> is a banger. Wow. All right. It's, I love that you mentioned that, how uh, it's a very like spacey, makes you feel a certain way. And you associate that with, you know, with the topic that we were talking about earlier, how, you know, music makes you feel. So the fact that like, that you like the specific genre that I've, I, by the way, I'm going to be honest, I've never heard of it before, but I'm going to, I'm going to pop up my, open my Spotify and try to find some of this stuff. <laughs> right I, send, this. I have a, I have a whole playlist I could send you after this. Please. It's like send around that way. genre. Yeah, I will. Send it my way. Please do. Uh, I'm, I'm more of the kind of, uh, I, I, I'm a mood person. I have to be in a certain mood to like be listening to something. Like when I'm walking my dog or something, or it's cold outside, I have to have you know, like a Skyrim playlist or a D&D ambient playlist. It's because it's like walking, you're like looking at everything kind of go by, but um, totally feel it, man. This has got to be a vibe. I would say this is like a, you're like, it's like raining and it's like 
you know, dark out and it's like kind of like it's just very chill and you're kind of like, I want to like kind of just vibe. That's kind of the way I would describe it. And it, yeah, it, it's nice. it's not just like brainless music though. Like it makes you think about stuff, but it's a very good sort of thinking. Like, it's, you know, it's very like you're at peace with what's going on. All right. Well, I absolutely love that. And I'm, I'm a big fan of like ambient music or music that just kind of gets you like into a certain space. So very good answer, actually. I was kind of, I was, I was really curious about that one. <laughs> Tuna has some pretty good music too. I, I, what was I love music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who, I'm, you, yeah. What's your so what's two your feet is my favorite artist right now, and he has an album coming out in like three days. Um, Guys, are we starting a music swap group? Is that what's happening <laughs> here? I I love music, and my I don't have children, but I have Spotify playlists. So, <laughs> so what's your what's your favorite? What would, you, what would be your most influential album, Tuna? Then last day. Well, influential. I don't I don't like. Music. I like music that people really haven't heard of. Like, I just saved Turnover. Is that what it is? Yeah. I just saved that album, Peripheral Vision. I just saved that, um, and I'll listen to it at some point. But to me, I don't know. My favorite album in the last 10 years, I don't know. <laughs> I What I've been doing is I've been, like, taking all my favorite – so every year, so 2018, 2019, 2020, all my favorite songs from that year, and now I'm organizing them so that – I can go to that year. I can go to my favorite songs from that year. And it's really kind of like painting a picture of how music has like evolved over the years. And it's been a really fun project. And um, I'm starting to get down to 2016 and 15 and 14. And it's been really, really exciting. So I don't know, for me, Two Feet is like my most exciting artist right now. Um, and Pink, his album Pink was like really, really good. So I'll just say Pink by Two Feet. But okay. in three days, I could change because he has another album coming up. <laughs> That's fair. It's the album with Fire that you like, that song? This. Yes. You like new? That Fire? So Fire by Two Feet. That album actually comes out in like this week. So good to know. We'll see. So with being a fan of all things Boston, the Bruins are obviously your go-to hockey team. So I'm kind of curious. Uh, is, what valuable lessons do you think that Overwatch players could take away from hockey strategies? So I actually would say that Northeastern University's hockey team is my favorite hockey team just because I was an alma mater there. I do love the Bruins as well, but I've gone to so many Northeastern games. Mm -hmm. um, and like, it was really nice because Northeastern, it's free for students to go. And then, um, you know, just a nice like Friday, Saturday night activity with, with the friends. Unfortunately, you know, got COVID. So couldn't do it in my last semester a ton, which is really unfortunate. But I think the biggest thing they could learn is uh, you got to... I'm trying, I'm trying to think like is this in game is this like you know just on social media is this like in life i mean it's it what about so when i was originally thinking about it i was thinking about like in game right because mm -hmm. i i do enjoy going to a good red wings game when i can and it looks like chaos when you're watching the action unfold but like the players have a lot of you know they, they practice for long periods of time they have a form of communication that you know we just don't recognize essentially yeah. So go, going off of that, and also like I still like I, I still have no idea how they do line swaps. Like I know there's a system, and I'm like you, you're basically timing yourself in your head. And I'm like, man, how do you do that? Like when you're on the ice. But I think the biggest thing is just you can't take one v ones. Um, you notice sometimes you know when players get really chippy on the ice, then like you know I, I know like a lot of, like for Pasternak, I guess is someone that gets really targeted on the Bruin, and he usually isn't the one fighting. Mm -hmm. but, you know his team is usually the ones defending him. But like I guess Brad Marchand would probably better, be a better example. He causes chaos and he makes other players mad on other teams, and they'll be so distracted with trying to get him back that they'll completely lose sight of the objective which you know whether that's trying to score yep. or trying to defend 
And I think that can happen in Overwatch. You know, if there's a little bit of chirping, whether it's in game or on social media, you know, you want to shut someone up. You want to kind of prove them wrong. But when you're trying to take that duel uh, instead of trying to play, because it, Overwatch is an objective-based game. At the end of the day, kills can get you so much. But if you're not on the point, then you lose the game anyway. So you got you to gotta make sure that you don't get distracted with trying to, you know, prove someone wrong, you know, shut them up. You just got to play with your team. Mm-hmm. Yep. I completely agree. So I want to get to the heavy hitting stuff because we're, we're getting towards the, the end of all of this. So as someone who's worked in and around esports for most of your life, um, I've noticed that you keep a fairly upbeat, positive attitude across social media. And also I know the internet can be a rough place. So I want to know what advice would you give to people who want to get into social media management for keeping their spirits up in the face of like the dreaded comment sections of posts? Uh, I mean, I think you just got to drown out negative comments for the most part, because a lot of the time it's not really directed at you, um, but it's going to feel personal because, you know, you're the one putting the content out there. But like, I really just drown out like anything that's negative or just not like kind of want the energy I want to put back out into the world um, as a brand, you know, I want to you know, reward our fans and I want them to feel like they're acknowledged and heard by the outlaws voice. And I don't want to really give in to, you know, people that, you know, are just trolling or just trying to be mean or hateful. Like if it's, if it, especially if it's hateful, like if it's in like a community that I can like, you know, kick them out of, like, I, I don't have any tolerance for that kind of stuff. If it's just like game stuff, like there's just no reason to respond to that. Cause you know, people that are fans of other teams, they're going to have their own opinions. And that's just how it is. You know, you gotta, you kind of gotta let it go by the wayside. I think for me personally, I'm always going to be my own biggest critic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like anything that anyone says to me, like I, it's not going to hurt because I've probably like already said it to myself a thousand times, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is like, good and bad because one, like I can get myself down a little bit sometimes if something doesn't do well, but on the same like hand, I guess um, it's self-motivation to do better in the future. Okay. So you've said in the past that you're a Boston Uprising fan, but now you're all in on the Outlaws. So I want to know, what is it about Houston's scrappy team that keeps that you think keeps us fans coming back and cheering them on year after year? I think part of it, I mean, you went over it, like the logo and stuff like that and the colors, like it's all very exciting. But I think there's just something about Texas that makes it special. Um, I think part of it is the rivalry of Dallas. And I think also just like, you know, the brand identity, the attitude kind of, I mean, the way I've always looked at the outlaws, regardless of how they're doing is like, oh, they're badasses. Like that's kind of been the whole like, you know, thing, exclamation point. And I think that really draws people to it. And I think, you know, even, I think one thing that actually kept people uh, around for a while was like, it was a very similar team throughout three years. Mm-hmm. But I think people realize like we need changes. So it's like, we're going to keep like cool Matt's the general manager. Now that's a very familiar face and he's doing an amazing job. I think he's put together an amazing team. So I think having that familiar face who knows what he's doing, knows the game super well and knows how to you know run a team really kept a lot of people on board, had a lot of faith in them, you know, keep Dante, you keep hydration, you get Jake back. So there's, there's all these familiar faces but there's all this new amazing talent and i think that's why people are so excited and i think you know although like people have you know kept you know the way for these last years like this is like you know this is new life this is a new start and i think that's even better than just like you know doing the same old same old i mean to to be fair like you know when it came to houston and i don't know what it was like for other cities i can only speak to being an outlaws fan um, but you know, we had Houston that first year there were billboards in Houston, you know, these are the Houston outlaws for the overwatch league. There was a, a large event that was put on where they painted a mural in Houston, you know, just to celebrate the outlaws that I believe is still there. Actually. Still there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's crazy to think about. And so, yeah, we sit here and say like, 
you know, well, we come back to Houston year after year, but it's also because the team get, does has given back to us. You know, they, they, they take time to engage with us and, and meet us on the ground as fans and not just be like those esports people. And I mean, if everything that you mentioned, uh, you know, definitely hits home, um, which I think is also one of the biggest part of the, you know, biggest aspects of what keeps drawing us back is, you know, we folks here in Texas are very, uh, we take a lot of pride in our state, right? And in our teams. Um, I mean, heck, look at, we have Texas license plates. We have Texas, uh, Texas literal like kitchen plates. Yep. We have uh, anything and everything that we can sl uh, slap a Texas flag on, we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so once you buy into something that says, oh, this is my city or this represents our state, like I'm all in on that. That's all I care about. Like, and anything you say that you know, otherwise is, I'm going to, you know, that's, that's personal. Taking it personally, <laughs> you know, like that Michael Jordan meme, right? It's like, Houston's not that good. And I, I knew it. I knew you'd bring that up, new. <laughs> you always it's bring up that true. damn Michael, and I took that personally. You know, always... it's it's. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's very relevant, you know, to almost everything. And a know. day goes by where you don't bring that damn meme up. It's it just you know it's like my it's like my favorite meme right now, you know. Mm -hmm. Jack, um, one thing you said is that like new blood, new players, dude. I'm so excited for our tank line. I I just want to see him out there, and I want to see them. I just I'm so excited for our two tanks. Yeah, because they have chemistry. They do, because they played together before. Um, and I think um, they, I mean, they've got really good like uh, history too. Like, I mean, Jongu's been really good in contenders. He, you know, was able to climb from open division. I think he's one of like the few players who actually was in open division at one point and like made it all the way there. And then he's like done really well and like you know getting to I think a few like pretty close finals and stuff like that. And then picking, you know, he's a two-time contenders champion in two different regions. So. I think they both bring a lot, um, but I think the one thing that I really hope to get across, and you know, there's a language barrier, so it can be a bit difficult sometimes, but Piggy is hilarious. Piggy is <laughs> so funny. And I think some people saw that from the event um, on Monday that we had, mm -hmm. Taste of Plus to Come, but the team loves him. And I feel like it's a great balance because like, um, Jongu's kind of like more of a straight shooter. I would say like, he's not, you know, he's, he, it's not like he's just like, you know, a wall, like he's got a personality too. He's a really fun guy, but like, he's really just like all about the grind, all about improving. And then Piggy kind of like balances them out, you know, it's like, it's like a perfect duo. And I mean, you see them in game and your Instagrams and like, can't leak anything, of course, but right. I, so, so I, that kind of leads into my next question though, because I know that we'll edit it out. Just we're, leak we're, it. Just leak I, it. I, I know that we're <laughs> all excited for this year's upcoming roster, like as a whole, but I want to know, like, are there any outlaws players in particular that you just can't wait to see in action and, and, and why? Um, first one is happy mm -hmm. because he was a nut on the charge and mm -hmm. i think he has gotten even better i think like jake you know he's a player coach and i'm i think some people might not know exactly what his role is but i think him being a coach actually is like one of the most amazing things ever because you know he's a former player so he can really talk about his own experiences but also like he knows exactly what the players are going through so he can kind of like kind of reel them back in and you know be like this is why this was wrong and this is like what should be done differently and i think you know you can be an amazing coach but if you're not you know if you haven't actually been you know in the yep. overwatch league like it's, it's still like you know there's there can be just a bit of a disconnect sometimes um but i think that you know jake isn't a like happy's already amazing like i think like you know all the coaches are about like helped him lock him to like each like he's like already at super saiyan 3 basically and now he's like somehow like going you know now to super saiyan i think blue is what it's called something like that yeah. i haven't watched dragon ball c in a while um but um so that's one um i mean i want to see both the new tank players i think that you know they're kind of a question mark for a lot of more casual fans mm -hmm. but i've seen them in contenders and both of them shredded and the fact that they've already played together like we talked about is incredible so they already have that synergy coming over mm -hmm. and then 
Um, I, mean, I want to see Juby more. Like he, he. I mean, there's. I, I'll always remember him from the Triumph meme more than anything else. But he's just an amazing guy, and I think they're like it's like him and the tanks that are like always like players are like oh we don't know, but he did amazing in collegiate. He did amazing contenders when he played there, and I think. You know, Crimson has that experience. Crimson was amazing on Dallas. I think Dal- I think on Dallas, he was the standout player of Oni God last season. And I think that, you know, having that experience, even as a rookie, like, you know, having that partner, GB will just pop off because he's in a really good main support. <laughs> All right. So for a, I know for a lot of people, casting games in real time can seem like a really daunting task. I know that you said at one point that going from casting one game a day to between two and five made you realize some of the flaws that you had as a caster. Uh, what other advice would you have for people who want to jump into the casting world but might, might be afraid? Well, I mean, just practice. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, there's so many community tournaments around, and I think that's a big part of why Overwatch League is, or just Overwatch in general, but also Overwatch League esports is so popular because people love like being in these tournaments themselves. They love playing, um, and they want to be broadcasted. Everyone wants to see themselves play. Everyone wants to see themselves being mentioned, unless they're doing bad. Maybe they don't want to, but um, their their community tournaments are always looking for people to volunteer and do that. And then you know, you just you do that. You do like one or two games a week. Uh, you VOD review. VOD reviewing is super important. Go over it with someone who has a bit more experience. They'll be able to help you like figure out what, where you need to be working on, what you're doing really well. And then it's just a kind of a progression. Like, you'll move up. And, you know, sometimes I know some casters like that I've worked with, I've been like, man, you're really good. Like, you should try to work in collegiate. And they're like, nah, this is more of a hobby for me. So if that's kind of what you're looking for, like, that's totally fine. It's a very good hobby. It's a very nice pastime. Um, but if you want to move to the next level, there's always organizations that are going to be looking for casters to be joining and, you know, casters come and go. Um, I was of a few different leagues, um, that I was doing weekly. And then when I left, you know, there was a little bit of a vacancy that to be filled and, you know, they were able to find people to come in and take my place. Hmm. Okay. So before we get to our final question, we're bringing back a fan favorite segment from last year. Would you rather? So Mm -hmm. Jesse, are you ready to play? Oh, I am definitely ready to play. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go ahead and turn this segment over to Noob. All righty. Okay, Jesse. So a uh, couple of things. Would you rather is a very simple concept, right? I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, and it's a matter of, you know, would you rather do this or uh, or this, right? Uh, since you are our first ever guest, uh, you get the option of choosing whether you would like to go first, second, or third. Oh, wait, we're all answering? Oh, yeah. We're all answering. Just what? He, he forced this into the script at the last minute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's where uh, we're okay, cool. 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 All right. Let's you know do what? this. I want to lead the charge. I'm going to go first. Go first nice. Line, bold, bold, bold. Okay. All right. Here we go. Lead the charge. I see what you did there. Would you rather be in a hockey brawl against Bobby Orr of the Boston Bruins or get blindsided by Patrick Chung, safety for the New England Patriots? I think I'd rather get blindsided by Patrick Chung just because um, I played football for a little bit. And a lot of the time hits like that you don't actually feel until later on. You know, it's just so instantaneous. <laughs> yeah, in life. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, hopefully, like, you know, I'd be able to be tackled cleanly and nothing bad would happen. But I, I feel like, you know, in the moment, there's just so much adrenaline going. I feel like hockey brawls are just, you know, kind of a mess and you know it's not really a part of the game so it's a very different kind of thing and they can go on for a while i mean yeah how long hit, is this brawl <laughs> yeah how long is this brawl do we have a time estimate well no. it's it's bobby or who's probably gonna kick your ass in right <laughs> yeah i'm seconds. gonna i'm gonna go with patrick chung <laughs> okay good good call uh 
Who goes next? I'm going to go Bobby Orr just because I would like to fight against a legend. Yeah. Dude, I don't want to get blindsided because I played football for a few years. And, dude, that mm, no, I'll take the hockey brawl and just I'll just hug him so he can't really punch <laughs> me that hard. It doesn't work. Who knows? You know what? It's gonna, gonna pull I'll make it work. To beat your ass. I'll make okay. it work. All right, cool. You go from hack to beat your ass? Okay, dude. Okay. All right, that's okay. We're starting off easy. We'll warm up a little bit. I don't like blindsides. I've been blindsided a lot. <laughs> um, okay, uh, our second question uh, was actually submitted to us by uh, Cree Rex, member of the Lone Star Vanguard. Um, and uh, her would you rather is... Great would cosplay. Rather choose would you rather join Blackwatch or Overwatch? I'd rather join Blackwatch. Um I mean Jesse McCree, you know, share the same name. He's a he's a cool dude. I'd like to think I'm a cool dude. But I think also just like there's a lot of really interesting lore that I wish I knew more about. Like I wish I knew more about Reaper and Moira a bit of like, you know, that relationships and like, you know, how that fell apart and like, you know, how Blackwatch was canceled. And I think just it'd be a lot more fun to do something a bit more secretive and you know behind the scenes than be a hero for the world to see because like i mean overwatch in general was you know they, they were shunned by the end right and everyone knew the people that were more public about it but Blackwatch, maybe i'm able to just, uh, slip out the door as things you know <laughs> go haywire yeah okay uh james do i get to be a crusader that I that mean, seals the deal for me right there if you get sure. if you get to strap yeah. me in crusader armor and give me a hammer i'm i'm in but i'm going from- to overwatch I imagine a crusader isn't very stealthy, so I don't think they're a part of Blackwatch. Yeah, no, no, I would straight, I'd be Overwatch at that point. Obviously, later Overwatch riders might retcon me, but we'll see. Is Blackwatch or Overwatch? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd love to be an Overwatch hero. Yeah, hell yeah. I don't know well, what I would be though. Personally, Blackwatch. I'm with you, Jesse. Heck I'm, yeah, I'm let's you. go. Yeah. 50, Plus, it's black is very slimming. You know, <laughs> COVID is a thing. Gained mm-hmm. a couple of pounds, so let's go with Blackwatch. Um, alrighty. And our, uh, third and, um, final, would you rather is, would you rather lose to Dallas in the opening game of the season, but go undefeated the rest of the stage or beat Dallas and have a losing record by the end of the stage? Oh, definitely lose to Dallas and then go undefeated. Like it's a rivalry game, right. and I don't, I don't think we're gonna lose. By the way, I'm gonna knock on wood for that. But I really, I really, I think especially with stuff we just already talked about, Xy. Like I feel like this would be a game that I already felt pretty confident we'd win, and I'm now even more confident that we will win it. But I mean, a rivalry is cool, and it, like it would stink to lose that game. But in the end of the day beating Dallas is not going to win us a championship or at least not in this, you know, there is the Lone Star challenge, but that's something separate, which mm-hmm. we already won by the way. True. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I mean, you, you take that one loss and it burns, but then you beat the shock next and then just keep rolling with it. Like that, that sounds like gravy to me. Yeah. I cool. can see that. Cool. Do you know? Oh yeah. Easy. I'd rather go, I'd rather sacrifice Dallas. It's like, and then go undefeated. I feel, oh, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like my pride's getting in the way because I'm just like, I would just want to beat Dallas. <laughs> it's just that Texan pride swells up at that point. Yeah, that's such like, an easy mm. trade for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. I, uh, I, I'm a little, I'm a little torn mm-hmm. um, because it's just because it's, you know, it's Dallas. There's you know? no way you um, would want to go losing I said, record I'm, compared I said to I'm, undefeated. I said I'm torn between it. By the way, it's also, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? So you could we can have a bad stage one, but then make it up the stage two, three, and four, right? I've had enough losing seasons as an outlaw. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's uh, about it's about time to wrap up. 
but before we go, obviously you can't share any outlaws secrets, but it's no secret that being their social media manager, you do get to work with them in a professional capacity. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what it's been like and maybe why we should be so hyped for the start of the upcoming Overwatch League season? Yeah, so I, I started working at the Outlaws about, I guess, three and a half weeks ago now. So I did two of those weeks remotely. I only I only moved to Houston uh, last week. So, you know, I haven't been able to spend a ton of time with the players in person just yet because, you know, they're really busy getting ready for this opening week. But, um, I mean, it's been really cool just to like, get to know them a little bit, get to like meet them as people uh, more than just players. And I think the biggest thing, honestly, is that they all love each other. Like they're gelling so, so well. And I think you don't have that if you're not doing well. Like, I, I feel like, you know, you can like people, yeah. but like, there's probably a little bit of hostility if like, you know, things aren't going super great in practice. And when I mean, you see how they interact in social media and the event that we did uh, previously, like they're all having a pretty fun time with each other. All that stuff, I think, adds up to really, really great results because I, I think that's just, it's just beautiful to see, you know, people bond like that. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Like it's been a blast having you. It's been a blast getting to know you. Um, I know that we're all excited. We're right around the corner from the beginning of the season. So we're all got that, that nervous outlaws energy where we go at the beginning of every season. We're like, is this it? Is this our, is this our season or can we do it? Uh, and it's a great, Can I ask Jack a few questions, just like five rapid fire. Sure. Okay. All right. Muse or Radiohead? Muse. Uh, Halo or COD? I never played Halo, so COD. Paris or Horizon Lunar Colony? Oh, Horizon Lunar Colony. <laughs> Fallout or Elder Scrolls? Oh, Fallout. That's a hard one, though. They're both so good. I just uh, love New Vegas too much. New Vegas? Yeah, New Vegas. Yeah, New Vegas is a great, is a great one. All right, that's everything that we have for the show this week. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on to the show. You've been an absolute legend. Uh, just so before we go, pimp yourself out. Where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me at Jagcast, so J-A-G-C-A-S-T-S, just all one word on Twitter and Instagram. You can find you know the Houston Outlaws social media. That's where I'll be most of my days. But I just want to remind everyone we've got some great events Coming up, um, I believe this is airing Thursday, so tomorrow we do have the Battle for Texas Tailgate. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be playing some custom games against Dallas fans. We're also going to be having a watch party for that first game of the season. So you want to be there. There's going to be some prizes, and also the content creators from the Most Wanted Contest will be there. And Sunday, obviously, is the game against the Shock. We might be doing some stuff for that as well. And for me personally, I'm actually going to be returning to casting very briefly for a special event Saturday. I'm not sure if this will be announced by the time we get there but i'm actually casting the boston uprising collegiate cup semifinals and finals so i'm really excited to return to the casting desk for that event and thank you to the outlaws for letting me uh do this event it's very cool of them to let me uh work for another organization briefly well thank it really you. is <laughs> well thank you so much for your time we do have to wrap this whole thing up you can find us for the lone star vanguard uh, vanguard over at lsv.gg we've got all of our creds on there that way you can find our discord and come join in the outlaws conversation with us um we are you can also find me on the Surly Nerd podcast. I do a weekly nerd news podcast. Uh, that'll be, you can find me at the Surly Nerd on Twitter or the Surly Nerd.com. Uh, you can reach out to us if you have any questions about the Outlaws or anything that we do for our upcoming shows. Just go to uh, email us at info at the Surly Nerd.com or just hit me up at the Surly Nerd on Twitter. Uh, until next week, thank you everybody for joining us. And until next time, heroes, good night and good game. <laughs> <laughs>